Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck. To hear the good news through grunts and with grunts, in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 2 Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds asunder and cast their cords from us. He who sits in the heavenly la- in heaven's laughs, the Lord has them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. With trembling kiss his feet, or he will be angry and you will perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Happy are all who take refuge in him. Exodus chapter 6, verses 2 through 9. God also spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name the Lord did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they resided as aliens. I have also heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are holding as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will free you from the burdens of the Egyptians and deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my people and I will be with you, and I will be your God. You shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has freed you from the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you out into the land that I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses told this to the Israelites, but they would not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and their cruel slavery. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1-7 through 7. Now the main point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister in the sanctuary in the true tent that the Lord, and not any mortal, has set up. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Hence it is necessary for the priest also to have something to offer. Now, if if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They offer worship in a sanctuary that is a sketch and shadow of the heavenly one. For Moses, when he was about to erect the tent, was warned, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But Jesus has now obtained a more excellent ministry, and to that degree he is the mediator of a better covenant, which has been enacted through better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need to look for a second one.
Good morning and welcome to the sixth Thursday after Epiphany. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from the Appalachian Abbey in Knoxville, Maryland. This morning's readings uh, do not come from Psalm 119. It's been a little while since they've since we've been in 119. This one comes from Psalm 2. Uh, and then a short passage in uh, from Exodus 6, and finally Hebrews 8. And there's one line that stuck out to me this morning, and it's quite contextualized, uh, for me at least. Um, and several, several months ago, I've been trying to find it. Several months ago, I, I talked about this, <clears throat> about this story, of, uh, well, I shared a story, of when I was in Iraq, and these dogs very early for several months we we stayed in a small airfield near Tikrit called Tuz Karmatu and it was kind of boring I don't, I don't know if we ever even got any mortar attacks even though we went out on patrols and stuff and uh where where my uh unit was my platoon we lived in these old uh, bunkers concrete bunkers and we had to walk uh, maybe a quarter of a mile across the airfield to one of these old hangars where the defect, the dining facility was set up. And on the way there, these dogs would, um, it's not really fair to say attack people. They would just run up and just start barking. And I mean, they were pretty aggressive. They never, I don't think they ever bit anyone. Maybe they did. I don't think they did. But they'd be really aggressive. And I'm a dog person, grew up with dogs. And um, and I, I, I don't know, I just really wanted to, like, I wanted these dogs to not be shitholes, shitheads. And, uh, there's one dog in particular that was just kind of the head of the pack and he was, like, really aggressive. Anyway, um, I, I realized that they were starving and they came up to be aggressive because, you know, they, I don't know, maybe they figured, like, they would scare food out of some of the the guys coming up and down the airstrip. Um, and then when we left, we heard that they were all shot because the next unit just didn't want to put up with it. But they were, you know, they were the way they were because they were hungry. Um, they had a very basic creaturely need and wasn't being met. And all they knew um, was to, to act out aggressively. Um, and they had every reason to be aggressive. I mean, I've never been hungry in my life. I've been, I've been hangry. Um, and that's bad enough. I've never been hungry. Um, and any creature that's hungry is, um, is, I mean, it, it's perfectly rational to, to respond, um, in the way that, that you would, if you're hungry, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're drowning, uh, panic is, panic and irrationality is a perfectly normal response or what, what we think of as irrationality and, panic and everything else and I uh, in this podcast where I shared this story months ago I said you know I've been that I've been that hungry dog um, people who have no context whatsoever with what's gone on for the last several years would see me on social media or or in other ways and think God Lo- Logan's really kind of lost his mind and I had a friend who's also a, a vet say you know I think you're paranoid um, and I'm kind of I'm worried about you. And uh, for me, who has endured uh, all of my context and circumstances for however many years, I know that uh, 
my actions are 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 not unra- irrational. My my actions and the the things that I do are um, are a normal and rational unfolding of uh, you know I think silence on the part of uh, civilian society, the churches. Um, we just don't want to have the conversation about soldiers and veterans that we need to be having. And civilians that I've encountered want to remain at the center of the story and they want to uh, not rock the boat. They want to have a livelihood. And if they can earn that by talking about soldiers and veterans, um, even though soldiers and veterans may be best equipped to talk about this stuff, then well, they're going to do it. Um, anyway, the line that stood out to me is this Exodus passage and it you know opens up with God um, uh, speaking to to Moses and going on and on about him to give his land. Blah, 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 blah. It's very hopeful. And if you notice, it's at the beginning of Exodus, so it's not yet when they've exodused. And the last line, they've been promised all this land, and or Moses has, and Moses's task was telling the Israelites who are still in slavery un, uh, under Egypt. All these promises doesn't matter, and I think it was perfect uh, kind of lectionary selection following on Psalm 2 about God's promises. Then we get into Exodus, and the last line is, Moses told this to the Israelites, but they would not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and their cruel slavery. And it stood out to me now because um, if you don't, if and somebody who hasn't been me can look at my situations, like even in, right now, and think there's something wrong with Logan. There's another work situation where um, there's mistreatment, uh, injustice, and the bottom line is I need to have a job. I need to be working. We have two kids. Like that's like that's it. And um, I, I've, I was treated differently than a different employee. And I think the the manager is trying to do a power play and make sure that everybody knows that they're they're in charge of me and that I know that they're in charge of me. Um, and I just think it's fucked up. And I want to not capitulate. But I'm close enough to that point where, um, you know, every family needs a livelihood. And disability compensation is not meant for families. It's meant for individuals, um, maybe divorcees, not families. Um, and it crossed my mind that, man, uh, there's only so much that the spirit can take. There's only so much that, that, um, that, uh, even, uh, a relatively resilient person can, can put up with. There has to, there's, go, there's a breaking point. And that's what I thought of as, um, as Moses comes down with, you know, his, his heart full of dreams and promises straight from God, and he wants to tell his his friends and his family and his people, and all they can see is, you know, their what's right in front of them. Um, that their spirit has been broken, and it's because of this cruel situation they've been put in, for no good reason. Um, and as outsiders to the text, we maybe come into this and, and read, you know, Psalm 2, and then I'm going to give you all this land, and you're getting all spun up, but like you haven't been the Hebrews under slavery. We lose sight 
of um, we lose sight of uh, you know important elements of the story if we aren't willing to sit and listen and hear. In that podcast I shared so long ago, the the point or the the moral of the story is like I've I've I know that my friends look at me like that dog, just barking and barking and barking, making no sense whatsoever, won't leave people alone, and some prefer to just kind of ignore it. Some prefer to silence and uh, and minimize uh, even the barking. Um, but it takes uh, what I what I think our faith requires is is sitting even with these uh, people and creatures that we think are crazed lunatics. Um, I'm reminded of the story of a soldier saint Francis of Assisi, who was a prisoner of war and. By all accounts, had pretty severe PTSD after spending a year um, in a dungeon after being one of like a handful of survivors of this of this battle uh, in his hometown. And uh, this story of the wolf, where he um, he encounters this wolf and he has a conversation with it. Um, wolves, I mean, they're they've got their own desires and motivations, and they're creaturely. I mean, they have to eat. They don't have, you know, um, molars like herbivores do. They have to eat meat. Like, it's this horrible situation that we find ourselves in. And if we ignore all of the surrounding context, if we only see the wolf in front of us, if we only see this crazed animal or lunatic, of course, that, that's, of course that's what we do because we want easy answers. We don't want to... Um, we, we don't want to wrestle with the fact that there's reasons behind this behavior and, and putting, you know, a diagnosis on it or something. Because I thought that this is what happens. A lot of people with PTSD can't hold down a job. It's not because I'm not qualified. It's because I'm sick and tired of putting up with people's bullshit. And I'm sick and tired of nobody standing up for me. And I can only stand it for myself so long. Um, uh, the, the, I don't know, that, that, passage, the, the one line stood out to me. Um, but I think it's also a characteristic of, of Christian faith to persevere despite, you know, everything. Um, that the breaking point, it, it really isn't up to us. Um, that I think Christians aren't the ones that break. We do break, but usually not of our own accord. Um, and I think that makes suicide this really difficult. Um, thing to think about in light of uh, Christian faith. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with work. And I, I, just, I don't know if anything will ever feel resolved in other areas I feel um, that not just myself have been mistreated, but um, soldiers and veterans in general. Um, I think we're called to um, spirits that don't, not that don't break, but that can bend enough to, um, to to persevere. That hopefully the spirit of ours isn't ultimately ours, but is God's. That despite all this um, slavery, exile, that um, even in the land of injustice and evil, that we can sing songs um, that remind us of the way things are supposed to be um, by the rivers of Babylon or... Um, in the midst of unjust situations that um, hopefully I think that Christians are given the resources by God uh, to keep, um, to persevere and to keep, keep their spirit, 
doesn't have to be brittle so that it breaks, but to um, but to, to to lean on um, what God has given us and what God has done for us, um, and just keep walking, just keep um, singing our songs and trying to keep our spirit um, alive. Sympathy, a poem by Paul Lawrence Dunbar. I know what the caged bird feels, alas, when the sun is bright on the upland slopes, when the wind stirs soft to the springing grass, and the river flows like a stream of glass, when the first bird sings and the first bud opes, and the faint perfume from its chalice steals, I know what the caged bird feels. I know why the caged bird beats his wing, till its blood is red on the cruel bars. For he must fly back to his perch and cling, when he fain would be on the bow a swing, and the pain still throbs in the old, old scars, and they pulse again with a keener sting. I know why he beats his wing. I know why the caged bird sings, ah me, when his wing is bruised and his bosom sore, when he beats his bars and he would be free. It is not a carol of joy or glee, but a prayer that he sends from his heart's deep core, but a plea that upward to heaven he flings. I know why the caged bird sings. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where PPUHQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation slash support. You can sponsor morning prayer for Pew Pew people with as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a weekday lectionary reading yourself and sending it to me to be included in an episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts will be provided to you directly, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in first formation in this or any way. Finally, and most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a recording app of your choice. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously, if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in morning prayers for Pew Pew people. I hope you'll continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.